Welcome to the Beyond Banky's Gardening Podcast, bringing you interviews with gardeners, plant lovers, and other industry experts. With you by our side, we are growing forward together and nurturing the minds and souls of gardeners both new and old. Check us out at our website, beyondbankies.com. Now, your host for today's podcast, former vice president of Banky Nurseries and the proud granddaughter of its founders, Albert and Rose Banky. Here is Stephanie Fleming. Hey, everybody. I'm back with my second podcast. I really appreciate all the comments you sent me about my chat with Carol Allen and her orchids last month. Today, I'm really excited to talk to this guest. She's been a wonderful friend to Banky's and to me for many, many years. And I can't wait for her to share why she feels there's no such thing as a black thumb. But even more exciting, we'll be hearing about her brand new book that's due out in March. She's the editor and publisher of Washington Gardener Magazine and the host of the Garden DC podcast. She serves as editor of the Water Garden Journal in the Azalean. As a lifelong gardener, she believes that growing plants should be stress-free and enjoyable. She is currently serving as the president of the Silver Spring Garden Club and serves on the boards of other garden clubs and organizations. She attended the University of Maryland College Park and majored in journalism with an emphasis on magazine feature writing. There are so many other exciting parts of her life, but let's jump in and meet her. Here's our guest today, Kathy Jens. Hey, Kathy, how are you doing? Hey, Stephanie, I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Good, I'm so excited that you're wanting to do this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's so exciting to be at the ground level of a new podcast. Yeah, well, you know about podcasts. Kathy had me do hers last year, and Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Let's get going, because I was reading... A little bit, and I've I've known you for a long time, and I would just like to know how you got started with your love of gardening, because I know you love gardening. Well, it didn't always start as a love, Stephanie. Uh (laughs) It was that as a child, my parents and grandparents had gardens, and my dad's side of the family were farmers, and it was more work to me at that point. I remember lugging gallons of water from home to our community garden plot that we had in Gaithersburg, Maryland when I was little. And they didn't have water on site at the community garden. So I remember hot summer days and hand watering and hand weeding. So that doesn't always breed your love of gardening at a young age that way. But I do have happy memories in my grandparents' garden in Germany, their allotment garden, because that was usually like Easter break time and much milder. And I get to, I got to play around. I got to rearrange all the gnome collection that they had. So much more fun introduction to gardening on that side. Okay. So your grandparents, like mine, came from Germany. Mm-hmm. My mom's side of the family is German. She's German. And I was born in Nuremberg. Oh, that's close to where Rose Banky's from. Mm-hmm. So yep, small world. Yes, it is. That is interesting. That's something I did not know. I understand about this kind of love-hate relationship in the beginning. I I used to have to pull weeds and it didn't work out too well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your stress-free gardening approach that you talk about? Sure. So I'm a big believer because I started off with the opposite approach as a child that the best way to get somebody into gardening is a little bit at a time, not too much of the big labor up front, have take small bites and small sections, you know, maybe start off with a few containers and then build on that, add some more containers, maybe start your front beds or one row of a vegetable garden and add on to that as you can. That way you're not overwhelming yourself and getting overworked. And then 
quitting halfway through the season. I see that so much, Stephanie, at our community garden here in downtown Silver Spring. People will go in whole hog right in the spring and they'll plant up their whole plot and they have huge plans. And then by August, they've just given up. They don't show up again. Yeah. And it's the weeds have come on like gangbusters and they weren't prepared for it. And the heat has moved in and they're just not prepared and overwhelmed. And that could be a lot for a beginning gardener. So you would think if if you were going to have a a small little community garden, you know, that they have around, just get a small plot first then and maybe do some tomatoes and cucumbers or something. Yeah. And try to partner with somebody else who might already be experienced. So if you had a 10 by 10 or 10 by 20 plot and you could ask somebody who was already experienced gardener, would they share it with you and that you could shadow them for the first few months or so. And I think that's a great way to to divide it up. So one of you can be going watering, one of you can be going weeding, or you can go together. Well, how are these? I've never been in, we had a little community garden for the Emmanuel Church in Beltsville, but we had the beds prepared for them. When you go to a community garden like that, are those beds, the soil already amended or do you need to do that? You pretty much need to do it because even if you inherited a garden plot from somebody else that had gardened in it, Usually it's laid in fallow for six months or so. The weeds have moved back in because they are opportunistic like that. You know, any bare ground, they're going to take over. So you're basically starting. Some community gardens do do that annual plowing in the spring where they just plow the entire thing and renew it every year. And you can only plant annuals in those. But most community gardens allow you to inherit the same plot every year. So that way you can keep like strawberries and asparagus and maybe put some fall blooming bulbs in the the fall and enjoy them next spring. That's nice. So you can go and tend your plot and bring home with some daffodils. Yeah. Well, what about gardening? A big thing that the nursery was really into the last 10 or 15 years, well, even before that, was container gardening. And my husband and I put like tomatoes in a big pot now because it's just the two of us. We only need one tomato a day. What do you recommend to our listeners for that? My big advice for container gardening is to have a few big containers rather than several small. So instead of going and having a lineup of like eight inch, 10 inch pots, go for like a big 24 inch diameter, 30, 36 diameter and get a couple of those, maybe two or three. Whiskey barrels. Yeah, like whiskey barrel size is a good size to aim for. And then you're going to plant several plants in together. So you could have your tomato in the middle and you could have your basil plants around it would be a great combination. You could do like zinnias in the middle of one and surround that by some other sun-loving annual plants. Or you can mix in your flowers with your edibles, you know, put marigolds around your tomatoes too. I'm a big fan of textured gardening. And when I used to pot up container gardens, when I had a wholesale nursery, we would always put a parsley or some rosemary or something like that with the annuals just to give it a little more oomph. And then, of course, you could pick it. So something that I've always enjoyed. I know that you've been doing a lot and you've been working on something really special that's coming out in March. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Sure. I have my first book coming out, and that is co-authored with Terry Spate, who lives in District Heights, Maryland. And it's called The Urban Garden, 101 Ways to Grow Food and Beauty in the City. So basically, it's a book that is like an inspirational book where you're going to open it up and you don't have to read it from beginning to end. It's not like a storybook type of thing. 
but you're going to open it up and flip through and you're going to find a photo of something that you're like, that's what I want to do in my garden. So that it could be like we described the whiskey barrel pizza garden. It could be an idea like that. So it could be a small water garden, a salsa garden, or a salad table, or a little shade corner, or a pet garden. So it's 101 different ways to garden in a city, urban, suburban situation, especially targeted at small space gardeners. Oh, that's great. For people with apartments or in townhouses, this would be perfect. Yep. Now, where can they find your book? So it's on pre-order now on Amazon and bookshop.org. They can go on either of those websites and put their pre-order in so then they get it as soon as it comes out. Uh, We'll also have local book signings and sales in the area. So we'll be announcing some of those coming up soon. Well, we'll share that in the podcast notes. We'll put some links out there and get this book out because it does sound like a wonderful book. I'm really blessed I live out here in the country, so we got a lot of land. Mm -hmm. But we're actually not putting in a big garden anymore, even though we have the time for it. Yeah, that's what I always say, that even if you had several acres of land, you still are usually only going to garden right around the house and a little bit out just because your time is limited, your resources are limited, your energy is limited. So even if you have a huge garden, you still might be able to use a lot of these small space intensive ideas because they can cut down on your labor. And over the years, I know what I want. I want a parsley plant. I have to have some tomatoes and I have to have peppers, a lot of peppers, because I freeze them (laughs) for the whole year. Nice. You know, I like to have a squash and a zucchini, but I don't need to overwhelm myself. Same with cucumbers. One cucumber plant's all I need because I don't want to feed the whole neighborhood. My mother-in-law does that. (laughs) So she, she does beautiful gardening in raised garden beds. Nice. It, they're high, waist high and it's so nice. I mean, she even has strawberries growing in them. Nice. That makes it a lot more accessible and easy when you don't have to be on your hands and knees on the ground. Something that Kathy used to do with Bankies is organize a lot of different trips to different gardens. And one of the ones that was the most popular was going to the Philadelphia Flower Show every spring. Are you going to be doing that again? Yeah, I haven't decided about this year. So they moved the flower show to June and now it's the middle of June and it's outside. in a park right before you get into downtown Philadelphia. If you know where the stadiums are, it's on that same strip where the stadiums are in a big park. So they did that last year because of COVID and they couldn't get the convention center because that was in use because of COVID. So they've done it again this year. And I'm not sure only because the heat was so overwhelming for people last year. It was so tough on our attendees that you know, I have to really sit down and think about if it's worth it this year. Well, I mean, there's a lot of other great gardens out there. For sure. Longwood before, I enjoyed that trip a lot. Yeah. So Longwood Christmas, always a great option. I'm thinking about Mount Cuba, where we had gone and done looking at some native plant and demonstration gardens. And, you know, there's so much within a drivable distance of Washington, D.C. And I was considering also going south. So hitting maybe some of the Richmond or Charlottesville area is always nice. There's some beautiful azalea gardens down south. So that would be great. I can't wait to hear about it. Kathy, tell us a little bit. When I first met you, you were all about your Washington Gardener magazine, which I you still do. And I think it's a fantastic magazine. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with that? Sure. So you had mentioned earlier, I was a journalism major at 
University of Maryland. And when I graduated, I went into association publishing. So that was doing magazines for local and trade and personal associations. So a nursing association, a school association, that type. And a certain point, I was like, I need to work for myself. That's just my personality. <laughs> so I said, what do I love? What do I want to write about? And it was gardening. And I started to look around and realize there wasn't really that much out there for the local DC area gardener. There's, of course, the Washington Post column that existed at that time and Henry Allen's books. But other than that, there wasn't much. And there's a ton of great nurseries in the area, great wholesale growers, lots of great scientific information from the USDA and the National Arboretum. But that wasn't really getting to the consumer. So that's why I decided to start the magazine. And over the years, it's evolved. It started out in print with the seasons, and now we're digital and monthly. And so we cover everything that grows in the area. So if it's anything you can eat or pick or use in in a bouquet, it's not just natives, it's not just exotics, it's not just edibles, it's everything that grows in the area. I have to say it's a fantastic magazine. I enjoy looking through it. It's in digital form. And our notes will put how you can subscribe to Kathy's magazine because it's definitely well worth it. I I think you can find out a lot of information. I enjoy it, but that's how I first met Kathy. She'd come to our events and have her little table and have all of her magazines there. Yep. So that was always a lot of fun. And of course, you're doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, How many years are you doing yours? So it started the week of the COVID shutdown. So I can time it exactly. So it was that second week of March of 2020 when we were told to stay inside right for two weeks. And I had a bunch of events and talks canceled that I was going to be doing. And I said, I've been trying to start this podcast for two years now. I have this two-week window where I'm just locked in the house, not able to do anything else. I'm starting the podcast. I just decided to do that first episode. And I've been doing it pretty much weekly ever since. We take breaks for the winter holidays. So we're on episode 92 is coming out next. And we just try to do a long form interview similar to yours with somebody usually in the mid-Atlantic who's an expert on one specific thing. Well, I'm impressed weekly. (laughs) It's all I can handle (laughs) with monthly. But it took a year for my son to convince me to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm not a plant expert. I know what I like, but he said, it'd be all right. And I said, well, Kathy does such a good job. It's fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. talking to different people. Yeah, I was going to say, and and I didn't know where it was going when I started it. I thought, okay, I'll start it during the, the pandemic and see how the pandemic goes. And maybe it'll be six months, maybe it'll be nine months. And I love it. It's it's one of the most fun things to do is just sit and talk because, you know, we like to talk, Stephanie. Yes, yes, we, <laughs> yes we're, we're both people people, people persons. <laughs> What's one of your best, most popular episodes? Or they probably all are. Well, the one that gets the most downloads, the most ratings is with Carolyn Mullet, and she is Carex Garden Tours. And she has a wonderful book that she wrote for Timber Press all about beautiful gardens, mostly in Europe. And that is such a popular book that people just love her book. They love following her on social media. And they just love that episode where I just pick her brains all about what it's like to tour with her and see these beautiful gardens in England and France and Germany and the Netherlands that she goes to every year. 
So I also think it was kind of pandemic dreaming because you got to hear about the tours, even though they were canceled last year, but you still got to kind of live vicariously through her descriptions. A virtual tour. Mm -hmm. So I take it you went to Germany and you visited your grandparents. So you got to see the gardens and things that Germany was famous for. I only explored Bavaria. So our family is, is in Bayreuth and that area around there in Munich. So I've never been to Northern Germany and I've never been to what was East Germany. So one of these days I want to get over and definitely go to Berlin and explore some more of those gardens. I went, well, my grandfather was from Kellinghusen up North mm-hmm. and he married that little Bavarian girl, he said, <laughs> you know, so we got to see both sides in Berlin and everything when I was, I think I was 15 or 16. What I remember most were all the beautiful flower boxes. Every house had flower boxes. And, uh, and this is kind of strange, but the graveyards, uh, we would have to go visit the family grave plots. And everyone on Sunday went and tended their grave plots. It was amazing. Yeah, it's definitely a different culture, like different way of interacting and much more intensive because it's a little more urban and people are closer together. So you're almost on top of some of your neighbors in that way. So you want to really cultivate as much green as you can. Right. So what else are you up to? Or anything new and exciting beside the book? Well, besides the book, we have a, a big stream of garden events this spring. So I'm so happy that many of them are back that were canceled. So we have the Friends of the National Arboretum Garden Fair. I have the Leesburg Flower and Garden Fest in April. And AHS, the American Hort Society at River Farm, they've brought back their sale in April. So I'm looking forward to being outside at festivals, being able to talk to people again. And that's where I do all my shopping. A lot of the time, Stephanie, is when I'm at these festivals and events, I sneak away from our booth and table and then I get to buy from the other vendors. Yeah, that's that's something, Kathy. You're You're very involved in the different plant societies and garden clubs which is fantastic. It's something I always wanted to support even more than we did, where we would bring everybody together and you could see what the group's like and meet the people, you know, if you like hosta or if you like violets or if you like silver spring or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And people really need to think about it because it's a great way to join with like-minded people, which you're in silver spring, right? Yeah, so I'm president of Silver Spring Garden Club, and we meet on the third Mondays at Brookside Gardens. Of course, we've been meeting via Zoom for the past year plus. We plan to be back in person in April, and we do have our May Garden Mart that we do every year on Mother's Day weekend. That will be at Brookside Gardens, so people can look out for that. I'm also a member of Tacoma Hort Club and Beltsville Garden Club. I love Beltsville Horticult. That's me. That's you. And yeah, that I still am involved in that. Again, mostly meeting via Zoom, but they will be back with their garden fair and sale and uh, back this spring as well. That is wonderful. And one of the things when we used to do our big plant party, we called it a garden party. And I had all the different plant societies and garden clubs come one day or one weekend. You all introduced me to a plant swap. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and you want to tell our, our listeners a little bit about sure. a plant swap? Yeah, so you can do a plant swap, you know, amongst neighbors or any other group that you want to gather. But traditionally, it's a garden club. And sometimes some clubs do it spring and fall. Some will just do it once a year. But basically, you bring plants and you take home plants. And some plant societies, like the Rock Garden Society, 
they assign a point system. So when the plants come in, they say, okay, this is a three plant, this is a five plant, and then you get your amount of points and that's what you can redeem for plants that you pick up. But most of the the plant clubs, garden clubs I'm in, keep it really loose and informal like what we did at Banky, which was you brought plants, you get to take plants. If you brought something that, you know, was kind of more common, a regular hosta, and you got lucky enough to go home with a rare orchid, good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'll never forget the person who brought in a piece of poison ivy. (laughs) It was sitting there. And uh, I think Carol Gallant, she was like, whoa, don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, it helps to have somebody like an intake person to kind of check on the the quality and make sure people don't bring any invasive plants or, or actually poisonous plants. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, people looked at me at the nursery when I said, we're going to have a plant swap. And they said, what? We're selling plants. And I said, no, we're going to have a plant swap. (laughs) I think the people really enjoyed it. The nursery gave a few plants. Yeah. And I think that it's like everything else in life when you're a collector. You're not going to stop at one plant. You're going to go, you're going to shop for more plants, and you're going to take home your one freebie plant from the swap. So there's always more. There's always room for one more plant in that garden. You can always find something. But you also do something, I think, in the wintertime with seeds. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So we host, and we meaning Washington Gardener Magazine, hosts the annual seed exchange. And this year we did bump it back a month. So it's normally the last Saturday of January at Brookside Gardens and the first Saturday of February at Greenspring. So due to the COVID masking and vaccine rules, we bumped it back a month. And now we're on February 26th. You'll probably be listening after it takes place this year. But you can check out the event for next year and save the last Saturday of January in your calendar as Seed Swap Day because we had it named a national holiday. Basically, it's similar to the plant swap. You're going to bring seeds that either you opened up a packet and used half the packet, but the rest of the half is still good. Or it could be seeds that you collected from, say, zinnias or marigolds in your garden or any plants that you grew. And then we'll have seeds available for people to pick up. And we have some expert speakers on the program as well that'll be giving seed starting tips. So I really love the seed swap just because it's so economical and so easy to do. And you learn so much, like just from what people bring in and what they say about their seeds. So we have like a little show and tell portion where you can say, these were seeds that I grew every year from that my grandmother gave me and I've been passing them down or it's like a bean that has come down for generations or this is a tomato that I discovered in Pennsylvania and I have to grow it every year. So I want to share the seeds so other people are growing it. So there's our Belgian giants, mm-hmm. our Belgian yep. giant tomatoes. They're gone. Yeah. Do you have any seeds from them still? We did find some seeds, but uh, John Reed, uh, some people know who he was, the cowboy. Uh, he grew them and they didn't take well. I think they were kind of old and um, he thinks that they had some mess ups. So no more seeds. I think Burpee or somebody has one they called the Belgian or something, a Belgian tomato. Yeah, the Belgian giant was a, was a big deal. And I know you did the seed exchange at the nursery one year, I think, where you had it. I don't know if there was a flood or something. Yeah, there was a big snowstorm the weekend we were supposed to be at Brookside, and they lost electricity for that weekend. It wasn't just the snow, but power went out for Wheaton Regional Park, and that was crazy. That you know, It was like ice after that, so then we quickly rescheduled. We were able to use your back room where the, the Christmas decorations were all pushed aside, so we got to 
jump into that space. And that was really great to be able to. That's where I first heard about it. And I'm like, wow, this is there's so many cool things that you can mm-hmm. do with gardening, which is so exciting. So Kathy, we're going to go into our green thumb segment. And I have a couple questions. If you were to have any gardening resource, what is your go-to gardening resource that you like to use? Well, so I have to plug my own magazine, right? That's right. <laughs> and say that because we're all about local gardening. That's but right. I do follow a lot of people on social media. I love attending every possible garden talk I can at local garden clubs. And so I would say that's my best resource is hearing it from other gardeners. Yeah. And, and that's something if you follow Kathy and join her on her Facebook page, and we'll put all that information out. She's always letting you know what's going on. And I take a lot of what she shares and I put it over on our page. So we try to let everybody know what's happening in our neighborhood. So, okay, here's here's one, which I think is kind of a unfair question because how can you only have two? But what are your top two favorite plants? Hmm. Well, it's not so hard for me because I love peonies so much that I would say if I can only have one flower in the world, it would be peony, even though they only bloom for a couple weeks a year. That's that's, that's the only special. drawback, yeah, for peonies for me is that I would say on the edible side, I love okra and it's just a beautiful plant. It looks like a hibiscus flower. So it's decorative, even if you don't like the taste of okra, which Stephanie is saying, no, no, no. She was like, I'll, I'll, I'll win you over to okra because- no, no. Okra is a beautiful plant. I give you that. And my mother loves okra and I would get her fresh okra every every year. And that was like the slimiest stuff. I was like, no. See, I love, I love pickled okra. I love raw okra. I'm not, I don't cook with it too much aside from the pickling and then eating it straight from the field or, you know, right from your garden. Because if you let it stay for a day or so, it gets kind of woody and then it it does get that sliminess inside. But yeah, fresh right off the plant is the way to have it. I think my favorite vegetable will be asparagus. Mm -hmm. I just love love that they come back every year. Our asparagus garden is wonderful. Yeah. It's It's like a gift that keeps on giving. It sure does. So how about if you finish this statement? When I'm not gardening, I also like to. So when I'm not gardening, I also like to watch a lot of movies. I am like xenophile cinephile i can walk to the american film institute the silver theater here in silver spring and the majestic so pre-covid i was usually going to two or three movies a week usually i can play hooky during the day and go to see a matinee and i pretty much had a theater to myself which i loved so now it's you know mostly online or on cable or something but yeah i go to see a lot of movies and you and I have something in common. It's our love for cats. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and cats, but, you know, I take them for granted. They're cats always here. Cats <laughs> Yeah, so cats, I have a blog that I started just for fun called Cats in Gardens, and that's just pictures of cats in gardens with plants in garden settings, cats sitting next to flowers. If it's a green plant and it's a cat, that there's a type of, of stories and photos we share. We even have um, some historic pictures from Banky's on that Cats and Gardens blog, uh, some black and white pictures of uh, some that adorable. That was my Uncle Will's cats. Mm-hmm. And you have some of my cats on there. Yep. The cats that found me, I call it, because they've all found <laughs> me over the years, except for this one I have now that's a little crazy. But anyhow, I um I do love cats and, you know, it's always fun to find another person that likes cats. Well, Kathy, this has been a lot of fun. 
you know, I learned a lot. I hope our listeners did. I know you're, you are a great resource. I really urge everybody to find the information that we're going to post about Kathy and check her out and check out that magazine, check out our podcast. You know, I just really appreciate you doing this today. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It was my pleasure. Like I said, we're going to put a lot of her information. Kathy's going to send me some of her links and everything. And we'll put all that at the uh, bottom of our podcast. We do these podcasts the first Thursday of every month is the plan. And we'll have the link to her new book. I'm really excited about that. I'm going to put my order in for the Urban Garden, 101 Ways to Grow Food and Beauty in the City. So I think that's going to be a great seller. Thanks. Everybody's going to love it. So I think with March is such a wonderful month. Daffodils are going to be popping up. And your local garden centers are ready for you to come out and visit and, you know, join those garden clubs. There's a great way to get other plants, too, a little more economical, maybe. But support your local garden clubs. I think it's very important. And I want to let everybody know that I am going to be at the Maryland Spring Home and Garden Show in Timonium. I guess this weekend you'll be hearing this. And it's the first two weekends in March. It'd be March 5th and 6th and the following week, Friday, March 11th through Sunday, the 13th. And you're going to, I'm going to be in the garden area, in the garden show area. They have like a home show area and a garden show area. And they're going to have the Maryland Orchid Society there. And they also, also have another building for crafts. I'm going to be there with my fairy gardens and some cards and stuff. But I hope, you know, if you're around, come out and say hi. I'm in booth 1015. And I also want to, Remind everybody we started a garden forum. And Kathy, if you're ever available, pop in on there, add some pictures and put some information out there, answer questions. I need people to check it out. I hope it becomes a go-to place. Carol Allen, Larry Hurley, a lot of people are going to be answering questions there. Then if you're hearing this, that means you guys listened all the way to the end of my podcast. So I want to thank you sincerely for taking the time out of your day to join in. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Also, be sure to check out that forum I'm talking about. It's on our website at beyondbankies.com. Join us next month for another episode of Beyond Bankies Gardening Podcast. It will air on the first Thursday of each month. And I thank you for listening. Till next time, this is Stephanie Fleming from Beyond Bankies. Stay safe, be happy, and remember... If you truly love nature, you'll find beauty everywhere.